Thank you for listening to the Data is My Science podcast, the show that makes data your passion. With your host, Dapper Data. What's up, what's up, what's up? Oh, everybody, sorry, let me start over because I didn't realize that I did push the recording, but I didn't push something on my end. All right, ready? Yep. All right, one, two, three. What's up, what's up, what's up, everybody? You're listening to Data is My Science Podcast, the show that makes data a passion. I am your host, Dapper Data. Today, 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 we're going to talk about something that is different, unique, I promise you on every level that this is something that is very, very different, okay? And it's different in many ways, right? You know, we talk about data science at this high level, right? We've gone into artificial intelligence. We've gotten very deep in so many aspects, but we've never really talked about geospatial data. And to take it to another level, we've never talked about AG, AKA, agricultural geospatial data okay now that it's important to understand that you know we've gone through many transitions throughout this two or three years of podcasting but you know it's also important to understand that i have brought on several guests several experts in this field and you you must reach out to these people you know i just want to put that out there because these people are really experts in the field whether you are a novice and you want to grow you know, whether you're an, an expert and you're already in that field and you want to have some questions, reach out to these people. All right. But EOS, okay, Data Analytics, right? That is a company that we're going to talk about uh, going forward in this podcast. And uh, and I brought on a special guest, right, to be able to talk about that. You know, I love to bring on a special guest because I'm not the expert in data data science and you know that there's so many people out there that specialize in certain things within data science and data uh, being an expert in that field and of data you know but they want to make a positive change using geospatial data and custom algorithms i want to introduce you all to alexandra say what's up alexandra hello everyone hi bobby <laughs> Uh, my name is Alexander. I'm an account executive at EOS Data Analytics. It's great to be a part of this podcast, and thank you for having me over. Yeah, definitely. So Alexander is is uh, he's an account exec, as you mentioned, uh, at EOS Data Analytics. That is a global provider of AI-powered satellite imagery analytics. All right, pay attention to those words. Right, AI-powered satellite imagery and analytics. Okay, that is a powerful combination right there. Alexander has over ten years of experience in finance, data protection, IT, and more. So that's what makes it uh, important to bring guests on like this because Alexander understands the entire spectrum, right? Data platform from beginning to end, ingest to uh, being a part of the data analytics portion as well. And his journey began with just a bachelor's degree in linguistics, right? <laughs> and translation, you know, from, from, from a specific university in Ukraine. And, and, and that's amazing because I want to know specifically, how did you go from there to IT, right? You know, um, so it'll be interesting. Hey, thank you for joining the podcast, Alexandra. Yeah, Please tell me a little bit about yourself. And, uh, you know, I want to know personally, how did you make that transition? 
Well, um, that's a good question. Yeah, and that's probably one of those questions that I'm you know, still trying in, trying to answer to myself. But it was just, I guess, uh, looking you know, at the opportunities that were out there surrounding me. And IT, I mean, is one of the most uh, eff efficient, you know, uh, markets. It's one of the most rapidly developing, you know, verticals out there. So that's something that, you know, got my attention. That's something that I wanted to, you know, be a part of. And, well, ultimately, I was, you know, doing my research and I uh, ended up, you know, you know, going for interviews, you know, and going on seeing people, what kind of, you know, solutions and softwares they were offering. And that's how, you know, I entered this uh, business vertical. So, yeah, I slowly um, grew up, I would say. And yeah, currently I'm with the, you know, EOS Data Analytics, a global provider of satellite-based imagery solutions, as you mentioned. So we operate uh, worldwide within 22 industries with the main focus on agriculture and a quite ambitious goal to preserve the planet. Um, currently we have over 220 employees, among which we have 25 PhD professors who develop our custom AI and machine learning algorithms for all of our products, uh, which give us a significant competitive advantage, you know, over the co competition. Uh, and based on the complex algorithms and data processing models, we have developed um, three products that have satellite technology at its core. The first one is the Land Viewer, which is a digital satellite-driven tool for researching, visualizing, and processing of data for satellite imagery with more than 10 indices and various other tools. It allows 10 free satellite images processings per day with smart analytical tool. Um, and it is compatible with other GIS applications and tools. So users can find images of any area of interest all around the globe and quickly process them. Uh, on the other hand, our most recent addition to the product portfolio is EOS forest monitoring, which we launched in 2000. Mm. So it's a relatively fresh uh, product. It is an online satellite-based software for convenient and sustainable forest land management. The product itself allows users to analyze changes in forecast cover, uh, forest cover, sorry, track deforestation and illegal logging, as well as receive timely abnormal temperature alerts to quickly act on any threatening weather changes, all based on remote sensing. And on top of that all, our most advanced product is EOS Data Analytics Crop Monitoring, which is an online satellite field monitoring service that collects all the important information about the state of crops in one tool. An array of satellite-derived indices provide crucial data on the state of crops during different stages of their which allows farmers to make the most important time decisions. And our scientists also develop custom solutions by fusing ground data with and, and unique algorithms to predict yields, classify crops, estimate harvest dynamics, detect fuel boundaries, and many more. And, that, and that's amazing. And you know what, Alexandra, is, is, what's even more amazing is when you specifically talk about crop data, right? You know, mm -hmm. crop monitoring, right? And, and to me, that's amazing because Nobody really thinks about how data impacts that field, right? Uh, even on your website, it shows that you're keeping ahead of the game with digital farm management. You're saving time, right? You're reducing costs. You're improving yields. 
Can you give me some examples of how data analytics and that crop management portion, right, plays a big part um, in the world and even in with your company as well? Yeah, sure. That's one of the uh, most common questions, right? What kind of benefits and value such systems bring? Mm -hmm. So to put it simply, I mean, the... I know I, I I tend to follow the USDA, you know, and you know their economic economics reports, and based on the most recent data, based on their most recent information, um, the Precision Act adopters, you know, all across the world can can expect um, sixty six dollars more from every acre. So basically, the farmers mm -hmm. can make more from every acre using the Precision. Act technologies based on the remote sensing technologies as opposed mm. to the non-adopters. And that's the official information. It just, you know, the, the numbers basically speak for themselves. And mm. uh, when you look at the level of adoption of these, you know, technologies all across the globe, I would say we'd be looking at the numbers of you know, somewhere in the range of 35 to 37%. So it means that, you know, one third of all of the farmers, of all of the agricultural operators are using this kind of technologies. And two-thirds basically are the ones that are not using them. So, I mean, it means that there is a lot of potential for development. And while we're looking at these technologies, I mean, basically we've done our research, we've, uh, you know, done our homework, I would say, and we've picked the niche that we would like to focus all of our attention on, and that's agriculture see a lot of uh, opportunities, a lot of potential, and we would really like to make these kind of technologies more affordable and spread the word about them as much as we possibly can so that more people, you know, even if those are like smallholder farmers and large corporations are using these kind of technologies to increase the efficiency of their farm operations, to increase their yields, increase the quality of their yields, and cut costs on the farm management. Because one way or another, I mean, the population of the world is increasing and we're going to be looking at 10 billion people, I mean, soon. And we're going to need to feed these people somehow. And with the old school, mm -hmm. you know, old fashioned practices and farming practices, we're going to well be suffering a lot. So that's where we have the Precision Act technologies and they are the ones to, to help us be more effective, be more productive. And uh, yeah, that's why we're here. That's what we're doing. Yeah, no, that, that's amazing. And, you know, it's really helping out the world, right? You know, it's a, it's a benefit to the world when you talk about that. And, you know, when you brought up USDA, it reminds me of a story I know we talked about before. Um, you know, when I started looking at data and how it plays a part in the world, one of the big aspects was agriculture, right? You know, it actually talked about USDA and how the trucks have to go from one place to another, but how to make them more efficient, how to make them more time efficient, you know? And it was amazing because it's like, okay, not only that part, but they, they started talking about, you know, harvesting and the crops and, and everything about time, you know, how it actually made it more efficient and how you would, you know, make, crops last longer, you know, by specifically growing them this specific time and then being able to transfer it over to the trucks and then transfer it over to the stores, you know, all that stuff mattered. And I'm sure that you all are playing an even better part, right? You know, a more efficient portion 
of it is is prior to all that, right? You're scoping out the land, you're scoping out everything from the beginning. I want to take it a little bit further back to geospatial data, right, and the importance of it, because a lot of people don't understand how geospatial data plays a big part in it, right? You know, I I work with a lot, a lot of those um, those agencies that focus on satellite imagery and geospatial data. What's your thoughts on geospatial data and how is it important to the world in solving problems? Yep. So the geospatial analysis is basically a process of GIS data interpretation, exploration, and modeling from its acquisition to understanding the results. The retrieved information is computer processed with spatial analysis software and varies depending on the number of tasks and their complexity. The simplest one is visualization, while a more detailed approach suggests comprehensive uh, analytics with specific, specific tools to elaborate actionable insights. Examples of spatial analysis include measuring distances and shapes, setting routes and tracking transportation, establishing correlations between objects, events and places via referring their locations to geographical positions, both live and historical. The availability of uh, geographical data can be divided into open access and, and commercial. Uh, the, the imagery of low and medium resolution provided by open source data is often insufficient for proper analysis and the uh, purchase of historical satellite images with high resolution opens up more opportunities for detailed uh, research. High resolution imagery is particularly useful when it comes to environmental monitoring, including natural disasters, uh, nature pollution, or environmental uh, effects of climate change. And high resolution also provides numerous benefits for mining, uh, building and construction, military, agriculture, forestry, transportation, or mining, you name it. So many, many different verticals. Uh, natural disasters like tornadoes, uh, forest fires, tsunamis, floods, mm -hmm. or, or even volcano eruptions are impossible to prevent. But timely tracking of the least changes can help mitigate the losses for a regular user. It might be interesting to see how their city looked like a, a century before, for example. If we are mm -hmm. talking about EOS land viewer, it is equipped with a number of features that can be employed either out of mere interest, scientific research, or even commercial use. Right. And, and, and you know, what's, what's funny is that um, I actually tried to get into, I guess I, I wanted to predict floods, right? Mm -hmm. And this is when I was, I'm going through my doctoral degree now. That was the first thing I said. I said, my dissertation should be predicting floods. I wanted to make a difference and save the world somehow, right? Um, of course, that's not what I'm doing, but uh, but uh, and, that, and that was because I realized that it was tough as crap to do that, right? It's hard to yeah. do something like that, right? It takes yeah. a lot of time because it's so chaotic, right? How do you, it's, it's crazy to me now, even when we're talking about agricultural stuff, right? You know, you think about how chaotic things can be, right, to determine certain things. That's why geospatial data is probably more important because it's capturing everything right you know the wind the 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 weather right all around 
you know, all that stuff matters. And that's the reason, it, it, because it's so chaotic, you, you need multiple sensors all over the place. You can't even just put like a crowdfunding source together. You can't even, you almost have to collect crowdfunding. I mean, not crowdfunding, but crowd uh, sourcing, right? You know, being able to uh, source from different people walking around, right? With their with sensors from their phones, you know, being able to have something like that. Or you can, or you can take uh, sensors that you're planting in different, like probably agriculture or environments, right? Farming environments, right? Yep. You know, but the use of geospatial data probably informs strategic planners of potential routes, you know, that can, that could impact, could be impacted due to risk of inheritance uh, to geography uh, altogether. Um, but from from that that portion that you just talked about. I really want to talk about what is precision AG, right? Agriculture, right? Precision agriculture definition that they say out there on the web is that it's like this methodology of farm management, you know, and it relies on data. Would you say that that just sums it up, you know, or do you have a little bit more insight into what you believe uh, precision AG is? Well, um, in a nutshell, uh, precision farming uh, uses modern technologies such as satellite imagery or field mapping to improve crop quality and profitability. Um, mm. on, on top of that, it optimizes the use of traditional resources. Ultimately, um, this agricultural management system contributes to the development of sustainable agriculture, allowing to solve both um, economic and ecological problems, which are becoming more acute. Among the Technologies used in such a system are GPS, drones, and you know satellite images. Based on this data, farmers receive more information on all key issues such as crop status, weather forecasts, uh, environmental changes, and so on and so forth. Also, the important difference between precision farming and traditional agriculture is the ability to manage fields, not as a single block, but by dividing them into separate areas. Such features mm -hmm. as zoning, for example, I mean, zoning is one of the features that we have as a part of our uh, crop monitoring uh, product. So such feature, a feature allows uh, diversifying management decisions for individual field parts, adjusting the fertilizer amount, optimizing technique movement, and using mm -hmm. fuel more uh, fragile, basically. So that's all done for the farmers to cut costs on the farm operations to make their operation more effective and to help them get the most of it and basically uncover the hidden potential of each of their um, acres. Pre precision farming requires special equipment and software, of course, to collect and analyze all the information. And since mm. precision agriculture technology uses uh, hardware and software, specialists are needed to implement them. So basically, it's also important to have those uh, trained people that would take care of um, such technologies. But from our side, um, as we as we saw it, you know, one of the important um, things for all of our clients and partners was uh, was always you know the ease of use. We try to make our systems as easy to understand as we possibly can make them. So, I mean, uh, mm -hmm. the user interfaces are straightforward, simple to understand, easy to navigate, and there is really no way you're going to get lost there. Um, and what we've seen so far is that 
even the people i mean it happens that most of the our clients are the ones that have never had any experience with any gis technologies or remote sensing solutions before but once they mm. start testing any of our solutions well it's you know one two weeks you know and they get to i mean fully up to speed and they use the softwares to, to their full potential so there is that so no that's awesome and and, and you know what's um when I, when I think about it, you know, I think about the future, right, you know, based off of AG, because, you know, we talked about what is AG, we talked about the use cases, right, we talked about uh, data analytics related to precision AG, and, you know, if you dive into it, right, you know, they, you know, you think about fire management um, and, and observing that data, harvesting, right, both crops and the data itself, you know, and predicting and and it has to be prediction involved now right you know it has to be some type of future focus on things uh be forecasting if you will right you know the forecasting right. of that data because uh it's so much data be, that's being collected i'm sure by eos you know it's so much data being collected from a geospatial standpoint and when you when you, when you're taking that data you know you're able to make um you're able to focus on the now, you know, what is currently going on, but because there's so much data going on, right, you're able to focus on the future as well. The future of AI, that's what I want to talk about a little bit more because uh, the world is going to AI, right, machine learning, deep learning, right, they're thinking about those things at a high level, right, thinking about how can I take these manual tasks that farmers are doing out there, dealing with AG, and trying to uh, make it automated. Um, you know, AI systems are helping to improve the overall harvest quality and accuracy overall, you know, which is that whole precision agriculture uh, development. What do you see the future of AI as being, you know, in precision AG? Well, that's a, that's a very good question, to be honest. So the way I see it is AI and precision agriculture are constantly being improved and provide new intelligent tools for mapping agricultural production. Image-based uh, pattern recognition systems allow applications to adjust the watering and nutrition of plants according to their type. With each year, AI is getting more advanced and in the nearest future, farmers will be in full control of their crops with custom AI algorithms. Um, it wouldn't be crazy to predict that today's manual processes in fields and greenhouses could be automated within a decade, like AI-driven by, by AI-driven sensors that will inform farmers or, or machines when is the optimum time to fertilize, irrigate, plant, or harvest. The decision-making process will be greatly influenced by these technologies that provide an unprecedented level of data and insights. Um, climate change is also a major driver of the enhancement in the precision act uh, and the AI sector, uh, which are uh, with our team, you know, one of the priorities while developing the new solutions, we have already created AI and machine learning algorithms to ensure the carbon amount in soil and vegetation, for example. The received data may be used in carbon management that is instrumental in combating climate change. And crop protection solutions use AI to collect and analyze large amounts of data. It also provides farmers with detailed 
agriculture and soil conditions for plant protection planning. Um, EOS data analytics crop monitoring is an excellent example of the helpfulness of remote sensing for crop protection. The platform basically effectively takes care of the health of the soil, reducing the risks of plant disease and pests. And on top of that, it provides data on plant health, moisture levels, and weather changes. To sum it up, you know, we see um, the future of AI and Precision Act very bright. I mean, this is a very, very dynamic uh, market, you know, the business vertical as a whole. And it's going to go nowhere but up. It's going to have more demand for its solutions, obviously. That's one of the reasons why we decided to create our own satellite constellation. And currently, we're actually working on the launch of our first satellite, EOS satellite. Yeah. And we're launching this year. Um, and you might wonder, why would they do it? I mean, we have a, we have a ton of satellites out there. Why do they need another satellite? Right. right. <laughs> that, the, that's a good question, you know. And the the answer would be simple, you know, is that there we don't have uh, any satellites out there that would be fully focused on the needs of the agricultural industry. We have a lot of open source satellites, such as Sentinel-2, for example. Uh, but, it, yeah, I mean, we, we're trying to go an extra mile for each of our clients, for each of the partners that we're working with. And we would like to have exclusive data sets to uh, to see the bigger picture. So, and it's not just one satellite that we're focusing on. By 2025, we're looking at a constellation of seven optical satellites. Each would be equipped with 11 agri-related bands, and that would give us access to exclusive data sets that would give us more flexibility, uh, more data, more analysis. Mm -hmm. And of course, you know, it's going to be a game changer. So, I mean, this is something that could change the whole industry. So we're very excited about that. and. Yeah, we're waiting for the for the first launch of our satellite. Well, that's sweet. And that's like the investment that companies are putting into things to make sure that there is a change in the world. That's what you all are doing, right? You know, yeah. investing in a, a, a actual freaking satellite that focuses only on ag, right? Or geospatial data development, you know, that you can control. It it costs, I'm sure, but the 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 benefits could could be tremendous, right? You know, it outweighs the cost, if you will. Yeah, that's true. And, yeah. And for me, I'm like just just thinking about everything you're saying. I can only imagine in the future there being drones, right? That specifically go to a spe a specific part in a harvest, a harvest that lasts miles and miles, right? Long. And it just drops water on it or whatever it needs in that specific part because it realizes that that part is not getting enough of something, right? I mean, that could be amazing, right? <laughs> if, you, if, you're, if, you, if you have isolation to that depth, right, you know, where it's like, okay, I'm, I'm covering, a drone is going around covering multiple things around the world. And it just says, okay, I realize that here on the East Coast, uh, in Maryland, that this crop, that that this part, that this portion of the harvest needs water more than everything else. For some reason, it didn't. It did not get the water it needed from the rain that fell the other day. I'm predicting that it's going to fall short and not be of good quality for somebody down the line. 
right? Because of mm -hmm. trucks and transportation and all that stuff. I mean, that could go a long way. So, Alexandra, I mean, that that was amazing, you know, and I appreciate you being on the podcast. Usually I like the end of what I call a dope nugget or gem at the end. And, you know, from what I've learned is that precision agriculture is this strong methodology that a lot of people don't understand, right? And you help us understand it more of farm management, right? That relies on data and data analysts to support the farmer's decision-making process. You know, I also learned that I could possibly be so interested in it that I may want a job with you, man. No, I'm just playing. <laughs> but <laughs> no, no, this is exciting. You know, uh, so is there anything you want to leave with the audience, uh, Alexander? Well, yeah, I mean, one of the one of the things that I'd like to also highlight is that our company is not only about the business side of things. It's not only about you know making money, but we also um, are about you know the sustainability, and we're trying to be sustainably sustainability focus on enhancing sustainable practices and advancing the scientific community. We have received um, many requests from students and researchers uh, to have access to our product. So based on the volume of these requests, we have launched our academic outreach program and it offers it allows students, uh, independent researchers, nonprofit organizations, universities and scientists an opportunity to actually access our products for free. All of the applicants need to fill out a quick form, uh, a quick application that we have online and basically start leveraging the power of AI powered satellite technologies that we have to offer. So, I mean, we're basically not just again all about the money but we also try to make these things popular spread the word make sure that more and more people know about these kind of technologies in order to make our life our world a better place well thank you i appreciate it alexandra you know audience definitely tune into this episode because um you have to understand i mean we're, we're dropping a lot of knowledge here as you all know, I like to get into a really fun game, right? At the end, where we ask our experts a series of topics, right? You know, we throw out this series of topics and we, we keep it away from what we typically talk about during the podcast. And uh, it's called Overrated Underrated. So it is time for the game, everybody. Are you ready, Alexander? Well, yeah, I, I think I am. All right. The first one I want to throw out there is borched. I think it's definitely underrated. Oh, okay. It, 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 if everybody doesn't know what borscht is, do you want to explain uh, to them what it is? Yeah, that, that'd be my, my pleasure, actually. This is, I mean, borscht is a uh, traditional Ukrainian dish you know similar to soup but made with obviously you know a lot, lots of different ingredients such as uh, beetroot uh, cabbage mm -hmm. uh, potatoes uh, peppers and so on and so forth so i mean this is definitely something that we're proud of you know and i, I would definitely say that it's underrated so yeah can, can, can you make some good borscht uh yeah I, I i try to yeah not not always but yeah i, I i'm mm -hmm. practicing and i'm trying to you know be <laughs> myself every day so. <laughs> all right cheese 
Well, that's that's probably also underrated. So anything that will be related mm. to food, I would say that it's you know underrated. Oh man, Alexandria is a foodie, man. He's yes, a foodie. <laughs> All right, the printer. Um, that's probably overrated. I think so too, man. Yeah. <laughs> All right, exercising. Uh, well, underrated, yeah. Underrated. We should definitely you know keep more focus on that. We should pay more attention to exercising. And uh, yeah, I mean, I, I know it because yeah, I'm I'm basically you know sitting in front of the computer most of the day, and it's you know always good to you know stretch my legs, you know go for a jog, you know go for a run, and you know hit the gym, and mm -hmm. do some do some you know exercising. So I would definitely recommend yeah anybody you know who's uh, leading the same kind of life as I am, you know, you know working in front of a computer to you know, pay more attention to, to that side of things. Yeah, definitely, definitely. I agree completely. Okay, soccer. Um, overrated, you know, even though soccer mm -hmm. is very popular here in Europe. But, uh, say, what in the world? Uh, soccer is popular there, man. <laughs> yeah, it is. It is popular, but I'd say it's way too popular. And there are, there are way more important things out there that are underrated and they should be you know you know people should focus more on them but yeah soccer is yeah not something that yeah i, I think we should focus a lot of our attention on you know so that's just my, <laughs> my my humble opinion you know okay two more uh tv that's definitely overrated for now so mm -hmm. yeah i i think we should, you know, yeah, we, we should probably you know uh, spend a little less time, you know, uh, watching TV and, you know, do and pay more attention to activities such as exercising or, you know, cycling or, or jogging, you know, just so spend some time outside, you know. <laughs> I, I agree. It's just that for some reason, TV locks me in, man. You know, as much as I do in this world outside of TV at nighttime, I just need it on to go to sleep or something. I don't know what it is about me. You know, I don't know. I guess it's not just you. I mean, it's a lot of people. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Last one. Beer. Yeah. Beer is, uh, I would say that it's underrated. Yeah. Because you, I mean, after a hard walk, hard weekend, you know, after you know, five days, uh, wow. you definitely need a, a beer, you know. Every now and then, you need to relax. You need to, yeah, just sit down. You know, just relax. And uh, yeah, in front of the TV, maybe. Yeah, beer is. Yeah, I mean, it's obviously we need to be uh, to pay attention, of course, and we need to be careful <laughs> with the volume. So, All right. the beer, yeah, <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. You know. Well, hey, thank you uh, for being on the podcast, Alexander. Thank you all, audience, for listening to the Data is My Science podcast, the show that makes data a passion. I am your host, Dapper Data. Where can they reach you at, Alexandria? Is there anything that you're promoting right now, a book or event or anything like that that you want the audience to tune into? Um, so, yeah, I mean, the best way to, to reach us would be to go to our website, which is eos.com. We have our amazing support team. So if there are any questions, if people... Farmers, you know, uh, agribusinesses want to learn more about these kind of solutions that we've been, you know, covering so far. If they have any questions or they would like to set up maybe a demonstration so we could, you know, show them, I mean, live, show those tools and how they can, you know, be more effective and efficient. Yeah, they can just go to our website, 
we have a support folder, so you can just ask for a callback or send us a quick email. Again, it's eos.com. Uh, we try to make it simple. So again, I'm, I'm sure you're not going to miss it. And yeah, I mean, that would be the best way to reach out to us. And uh, yeah, let's, let's connect and talk yeah, more. Yeah, definitely. Well, hey, thank you. I appreciate you again for being on the podcast. Audience, as you know, you can reach me at Mr. Dapper Data on any one of the social media platforms. Thank you for tuning in once again. You know, this has been a great experience, Alexander. Audience, I love you. Peace. Thank you for listening to The Data is My Science Podcast, the show that makes data your passion. With your host, Dapper Data.